0: plushcare.com dot slash weight loss.
1: Hello listeners, welcome to this episode of Luke's English Podcast. I'm recording this on the twenty eighth of february twenty twenty two. And in this episode I'm going to talk about what's going on in Ukraine. I have lepsters, I have listeners to this podcast in both Ukraine and in Russia. And the main thing I want to say in fact is that I just hope that my listeners are able to stay safe although that sounds a bit hollow, because of course, some of them, some of you won't be able to stay safe during this. And many people are being forced to choose not to stay safe. I mean, people are essentially having to put themselves in danger, either to flee to escape or to uh, pick up weapons and defend themselves, defend their people, defend their country. I'm talking about the Ukrainians there. Maybe in terms of the Russian people, obviously there are Russian soldiers who are fighting. Those soldiers have families back in Russia. And also there are people in Russia who maybe are choosing to speak out against this, putting themselves in danger as well. Basically, my listeners are in these areas and I hope that you are okay. I always say at the beginning of episodes, hi, I hope you're doing well. And I mean it. Now, I know this is not simple, And there are various factions with different motivations in this whole conflict. It's not completely black and white. But, you know, I think that most people just want to be able to live their lives and live the best they can. But this war is making that impossible. And for what exactly? Now, in any case, I'm thinking of my listeners in Ukraine right now, and it seems that a lot of the rest of the world is also thinking of Ukraine at the moment and sending their messages of support. And I'm talking about ordinary people here, right? I'm talking about just ordinary people, not about leaders or regimes or governments. I'm just talking about ordinary people. So I'm thinking about the the, the Ukrainians, but also I want to say that I'm thinking of my Russian listeners too because. It's not just as simple as the Ukrainians being the good guys and the Russians being the bad guys. It's not as simple as that. Russian people are facing their own difficulties at this moment too, because plenty of Russian people are not in favour of a war in Ukraine, a war which could only make things worse for everyone. There are no winners in war, really. So there are people who aren't in favour of the war and simply Russian people who will ultimately suffer as a result of this conflict um so i've decided that i'm going to talk about the situation in ukraine um it's difficult to talk about and i don't profess to be an expert about it i say i'm going to talk about it this is an episode of the rick thompson report so really it's my dad who's going to talk about it i just he's just much better at talking about things like this than i am but I just want to be clear about the reasons why I'm talking about this, okay? First of all, I want to show some support for my listeners who are directly involved in this, and to echo the message of millions of others around the world right now, uh, that this is not what we want. And secondly, I just want to talk about the situation from our perspective here in the UK, okay? And just to give a different side of the story. Now, some people will say, Luke, you're not getting the full story, right? Uh, Putin is just responding to NATO aggression, or Putin is defending the rights of groups within Ukraine who want independence and who are being repressed. And that's certainly the way that he is trying to justify this. I know some some people will say that I'm not getting the full story. And some other people might say this, they might say, well, Luke, why don't you speak about other acts of violence in the world? Or Times when other nations violate the sovereignty of other nation states. Why, why are you talking about this particular one when there are plenty of other cases, similar cases going on in the world? Why this? And some people might say, what about the UK's aggression against other countries, including invasions which were dressed up as peacekeeping missions? Why don't you talk about that? Well, don't assume that because I'm British, I support the actions of my government, uh, we should also not assume that Russian people automatically support the actions of their government. The people of a country and the governments or regimes in control of that country are not one and the same thing. The people of a country and the governments or regimes in control of that country are not one and the same thing. Hmm. Okay, now I could continue to ramble, but it's probably not wise for me to continue to ramble about this. Uh, instead, I think it's time to talk to my dad and see what he has to say about it. So let's do that right now. Here we go. So hello, dad. Hello, Luke. Uh, To be honest, I'm still not completely uh, comfortable about recording a conversation about this topic. I'm quite far out of my comfort zone here. You know, what do you think
0: about that? Well, it's it's a very difficult subject, but it's difficult to avoid because it's such a huge subject. You know, in anyone's lifetime, this is really historic events going on. Mm. And I know you have a lot of, you know, Lepsters who... uh who listen to you and enjoy your podcasts all across Europe, but, of course, including in Russia and Ukraine. And they must be incredibly anxious about what's going on. So it's, it's difficult to avoid saying nothing as though nothing was happening. But, of course, uh, it's a difficult subject and it's moving very quickly. So here we are speaking on the last day of February, and who knows what the situation will be like in a few days' time. What has happened Ben. This is the culmination of a build up of um, Putin's forces in Russia, which uh, finally culminated in um, having a mass assault on Ukraine on the 24th of February, with overnight um, shelling of a lot of different towns and uh, huge numbers of troops moving in from several directions, including from Belarus in what everybody apart from the Russian state-controlled media is calling an invasion of this large democratic country of 44 million people. Uh, We've seen nothing like this since uh, the Second World War. And, of course, the reaction from the rest of Europe has been unprecedented. And we're still seeing how, uh, how firmly that reaction will develop. And the aim is to basically isolate Russia economically... Uh, and financially to make it painful for anything like this to continue and to try to deter this invasion. And I know there may be some listeners in Russia saying invasion, invasion, what invasion? Because we are aware uh, that the state media in, in Russia is refusing to call it an invasion. In fact, they've been instructed by their regulator not to. And um, we've even had uh, pictures here, showing that uh, one or two TV channels are showing old film of Kiev in the sunshine with children playing in the parks. Really, where actually the reality, as we've seen from a lot of independent, trustworthy journalistic sources, including the BBC, is rockets hitting residential buildings and street fighting, and um, it's it's a, a real nasty mess. And the notion that it isn't. And an invasion where they're trying to get to the capital uh, kiev is obviously nonsense i mean that's what's happening and um it's extremely depressing and very worrying why is this even happening i mean uh,
1: yeah it's very complicated because obviously there are different sort of uh, accounts being given and stuff and different perspectives uh, but from our point of view why is this happening or maybe maybe we should try and explain it from
0: both sides. I don't well, know. It, it's very difficult to explain it from um, the Russian side because they're they're led by a man who is behaving in an extraordinary manner. I mean, I never thought I. I mean, we always knew that ex KGB Putin was a hardline man who regretted bitterly the collapse of the Soviet Union and has been on some kind of mission to reestablish uh, Russia as a you know, great, influential nation and very much resented the fact that former Soviet Union states joined the EU as well as joining NATO, looking to the west rather than the east. They had their choice, their uh, democratic countries, and they look to the west uh, and of course um, since the days of the collapse of the soviet union in 1989 and 1990 it, it's um uh, these countries have been transformed i know because i've been to quite a few of them you know over the years and uh, it's been nothing but um good news for them for their prosperity and st- peace and stability so it's hardly surprising that ukraine looks to the west for its future rather than looking to the east and i think that this infuriates uh, putin and um uh, he's determined to make sure it doesn't happen what he says uh, he's doing is of course not entirely true i mean he says ukraine is a threat to russia and and uh, that nato always promised they would never expand to the east Well, there's no immediate prospect of Ukraine joining NATO, but it's their choice. And um, I think that in a democratic country of 44 million people, uh, they have the right to decide. And and, um, it's really uh, uh, a problem for Russia Mm -hmm. that they don't like the notion that there could be the prospect of a NATO shield, if you like, being so close to their border. So um, Putin has decided to stop it, and the only thing he's he's decided to do is to invade the place with a massive, uh, massive army. It was 190,000 troops, I think, m- moving in, and um, the reaction from the West is obviously still happening. I mean, I can't rationalise Vladimir Putin's action for justifying this. I mean, it is extraordinary, and... Um, some people are even suggesting that he's slightly deranged. Now, of course, I wouldn't know, but but the the facts are that he's been in power for what is it, 24, 22, 20, 22 24 years, years, something like that. I think. But as president or prime minister, he's always managed to. You know, uh, organise things, re- reorganise the constitution, so he can stay in power. And there is history of, of people like that who who get isolated from reality when they've been in that position for so long. And you look at these scenes of him in these this palatial Kremlin, was sitting at these enormous tables. Yeah, why are the tables so long? I don't know. And in and in these huge rooms. And it's like a scene from a a comedy film. It's like a scene from a um, Stanley Kubrick film. Yes, there's something very, very weird about it. And people are also suggesting that um, not all the Russian people are behind him. Now, of course they're not, because, you know, uh, in in any country you don't have everybody behind their leader. But I think that there is quite a lot of evidence, including some demonstrations in Russian cities against the war... That, uh, that a lot of people who do have a pretty good idea of what's going on are horrified by it. I don't think all Russian people could support this these moves which have already caused many civilian deaths in Ukraine. Um, you know, we, we, we know that there, there have been residential areas, even um, an orphanage hit, whether deliberately or not. It's not the point. I mean, if you're shelling or rocketing or bombing... Uh, big cities this is what happens and uh, I'm sure a lot of the Russian people can't support that especially when the, the pretext for doing so is is simply to um, seize as much of Ukraine as you can but that's he's described it as like
1: the denazification <laughs> oh, of <well>. Ukraine so <laughs> how can we unpack and explain that what does he mean by the denazification yes. of Ukraine yes it, it, I mean he's it, presenting it as if uh, there is a genocide going on in Ukraine and he's protecting the rights of people who identify as Russian
0: citizens there. He's called them, um, you know, the leadership in Ukraine, uh, drug addicts as well. I mean, what? And, and um, to call, call it, uh, one, uh, one of his demands is demilitarization and denazification. Of Ukraine. Of course, this doesn't make him look particularly wise in that we know that um, Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, is Jewish himself. And and you can't get much of a deeper irony than accusing Ukraine of being Nazi when you're sending all your tanks in to take over their country. I mean, it, it's it's just such a strange thing
1: to say. But this is, I suppose, this is his way of Uh, manipulating the
0: situation. All I'm saying is that looking at it from here and looking at the facts and looking at the statements and what they're saying, some of the things that uh, Putin said in his statement, you know, in the middle of the night, recorded statement on the 24th of February, doesn't make sense. So one does wonder whether the military are all happy about what's going on. You wonder whether the Russian people will be happy when more and more casualties happen. They, we already know they've lost quite a few troops. And we know that there have been thousands of people
1: protesting against the war in Moscow and a lot of them have been I around. don't know
0: how many it was. No? I, I mean, it may not have been thousands. It was certainly hundreds. But okay, I don't, maybe I don't not thousands. Don't know. Yeah, I
1: don't know. But I don't uh, know. That,
0: that's a difficult thing to do, for starters, because you know, protesting against the government in Moscow means you're likely to get arrested and um, protest isn't tolerated there. So it was was brave of people to do it um but they can't they can't be the only ones who aren't happy about what their president is doing and it's going to get worse i mean the peace talks are happening as we record this yeah what uh, about the first first phase of them but I, I don't have much faith in that tell us about the peace talks well in in bordering belarus two delegations have met today the russians haven't said anything about them they're going back for consultations and then they'll resume again probably in a few days time and we know from the ukrainian delegation that amongst the demands of putin are guarantee that they'll never join nato well they won't give that guarantee because it's up to the people of ukraine to decide that the demilitarization of ukraine what does that mean you stand down all your armed forces there are demands here that basically are just surrender to us the eastward expansion of nato
1: is something that obviously troubles putin a lot you've talked about how he
0: he sees ukraine as a a key region well it is it is a Key region, a big country, and it has close ties with Russia. Obviously, we know there's quite a lot of Russian speakers in Eastern Ukraine, yeah, and Western Ukraine, uh, well. and you know, yeah, the yeah. But but there is a separate Ukrainian language and culture which goes back a long way. I mean, yeah. that he's actually said it's not really a country at all. Um, I yeah. think I think yeah, you'll find has, it. I think you'll find it is.
1: He has said. I think the only so- that, uh, Ukraine can only have sovereignty when it's part of Russia.
0: Yes, he And doesn't
1: recognise it as a, as a so sovereign nation
0: it and he thinks it should be part of russia and end of story but of course it's totally ignoring history it's ignoring all you know uh, international norms ukraine is uh, a democracy they had uh, these interesting times a few years ago when the russian-backed candidate for president uh, didn't get elected and there were, if you remember, there were a lot of big street protests, and in the end, this uh, rather little-known actor <laughs> Zelensky became the president and has proved to be a, a good president so far. And so that um, will be that will be news to
1: some people. Some people listening to this will be surprised to hear that because because again, according to the information that they're receiving, uh, Zelensky is some sort of um, autocrat who is repressing certain people in some eastern parts of the country well right with the um, with the help of militant groups and
0: and so on obviously people have different views of what's going on but i trust um all the media that we have access to there's an awful lot of it yeah and and we do you know trust the reports from deutsche vela and and bbc and from the times and various other people have people on the ground and we've known about the ongoing war in eastern ukraine where what are called Russian separatists, substantially people who live there who want to be part of Russia, not part of Ukraine, have taken up arms. They've been um, supported strongly by by Moscow. They've been trained. They are militias. They've been armed, trained and supported by Moscow. And, um, you know, there are, there are trenches. There's a front line yeah. where Donetsk and Luhansk, I think it's pronounced, have basically separatist areas and they want to continue to bite away at westwards yeah to suggest that this is a reason to invade ukraine and bomb the capital and everything else seems to me to be not in any way logical and it's terrible really that it's come to this yeah absolutely and there was a peace deal which was torn up unilaterally by vladimir putin it wasn't really terribly effective but it, there was a process going on but he'd obviously run out of patience and decided he'll take as much of ukraine as he can because i imagine he thought he simply could like he did with crimea we will annex crimea there was a uh, you know a, a lot of uh, reaction from the rest of the world when that happened But it's not quite the same thing as invading mainland Ukraine and trying to take over the whole country. Yeah. Uh, It's a different scale entirely. And we haven't seen that kind of move, as I said, since 1945.
1: Yes. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It's shocking. Again, it's hard to know because we're not there. But um, as far as we have been informed... How is it going?
0: Well, it's again difficult to know. But one thing is for sure: the massive troops attack, blah blah, to rush towards Kiev and take over the country didn't work. I'm pretty sure that the the Russian military must have been surprised at the amount of opposition they they met from the Ukrainians, uh, who uh, you know are determinedly fighting back. I think. Putin might have been surprised by the extent of the sanctions that had already been imposed because they they were always pretty weak like the Crimea situation the sanctions there didn't hurt them very much yeah. but this time it's it's unprecedented it's incredible apart from the fact that the whole of the, the whole of Europe is saying russian flights are banned individuals are sanctioned lots of lots of people who are in one way or another close to the kremlin the so-called oligarchs these are the people who made a lot of money as a result of the collapse of the soviet union uh you know eye-watering amounts of money very often to do with oil and gas and um you know countries are seizing their assets they're freezing international bank transfers from, from russian banks germany has uh suspended the Nord Stream pipeline europe is actually sending arms to ukraine yeah which is that's interesting unbelievable the first time the eu have, have actually done that isn't it of course there will be economic damage in europe there's no doubt about that mm-hmm. i mean energy prices will continue to shoot up there'll be other economic damage because trade after all is a two-way street and um the fact that the gas pipeline was going to going to go into germany means that they will probably have to find other sources of energy pretty quickly and the other damage for the west is the refugee crisis now here we are we're just you know a week less than a week in and already according to the united nations more than half a million refugees have, have fled ukraine trying to get into neighboring poland and moldova and, and maybe romania and this is this is mostly uh, women children and elderly
1: people who have decided they have to leave
0: yes they're terrified i mean we've, you know, we've seen interviews with people you know on the road and on the border and basically they're taking their children out as much as anything else uh, while the men stay behind to fight and that's just the start. So, you know, it may be two million, three million refugees coming into Western Europe. And um, that gives Western Europe a heck of a big headache. But in the end, this is so extreme, so shocking, that uh, all the Western leaders are agreeing it's a price worth paying and we'll cope with it. Is this going to escalate, do you think? I mean, uh, we don't know how things
1: are going to continue or how they're going to develop, but um, what are the possible ways that this could
0: go? I he's don't know. Any I, don't, idea. I don't like really think about it. No. Uh, the notion that Putin would actually use nuclear weapons seems unthinkable, completely unthinkable. We'll just hope that he's not completely deranged because no, no sane person would do that. And the fact that he's even mentioned them seems to me a a sign of um, either rage or panic, because, uh, you know, I've got nuclear weapons here. Don't forget, (laughs) everyone. I've got nuclear weapons, (laughs) all right? It's not going to stop. This is not going to stop. But, you know, Putin's not going to say, oh, sorry, Uh, you know, I think I I I I overstepped the mark there. Um, Let's just go back to square one. In the end, he'll try and take as much of the country as he can. And... um, will ride out the sanction situation as best he can. But it's going to be crippling for the Russian people. I mean, the, the, he's already doubled interest rates and doubled it again to try and stop the ruble collapsing, but it isn't stopping yeah. it, really.
1: People are queuing up outside banks to try and get it, their money the, out.
0: The, the, the economic damage on uh, Russia could be really severe, and it could be isolated in so many other ways. I mean the Champions League final was due to be played in the end of May in St Petersburg, or well, it isn't going to be now it 's going to be played in paris and they and FIFA are discussing whether they'll simply isolate Russian national team and Russian club teams from FIFA football i mean that's just a sign of the the outrage that everybody feels about what's going on, and you can't just continue to play football as normal in a situation yeah. like this, yeah, yeah. So, this is, you know, obviously it's from our position, sitting here in the UK, but we do have access to a lot of information and media, and some incredible reports from, you know, the various cities that are under attack, and, uh, I mean, notably Kharkiv, which is the second biggest city, and it's quite close to the Russian border – there have been dozens of civilians killed there in missile strikes and, you know, very close fighting in the streets. It's like a scene from the Second World War. So obviously, this has got a way to go, but it's not going to end well. There'll be like months, maybe years of uh, guerrilla fighting. And if Russia, in the end, occupies parts of Ukraine, which are not supportive of them, there will certainly be continuing guerrilla action. There will be suffer from continuous difficulties. It'll be a thorn in their side. And if you ask me my opinion at this moment in time, whether uh, you you said earlier on, did, what, has Putin miscalculated? I think he probably has. I, I don't think it can end well for Russia. Um But he doesn't seem to care about and That's
1: that. not good for anyone. It's, it's not good for, for anybody. We
0: don't need on
1: the world stage one of the large powers to suddenly start suffering in this way we
0: certainly Uh, don't and it's just so pointless why why would you leash all this pain suffering and difficulty not only on ukraine but on yourselves because it's not going to end well for russia (sighs) okay it's a very very depressing situation sorry lebsters yeah yeah, well, it'd be interesting to know what your uh s- what some of your listeners think who live in the region, particularly in Russia, and they'll probably jump up and down and say that's all propaganda. I hope you don't. It's not it's just trying to be as objective as I can what has actually happened here. If you were a Martian looking down on the planet and said what happened here, I mean, that's what I'm trying to do um and I hope that people don't get too uh too partisan about it. Yeah, uh, it's it's um, it's just a tragedy for all the people involved. Yeah, it is. Okay, <sighs> I think that's fine. <laughs> uh, we'll have a more cheerful Rick Thompson report yeah, next time. We'll,
1: we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about some other things next time. Uh, but Dan, thanks thanks for talking about it. And um,
0: okay, and I just hope your listeners who are in Ukraine and and you know in in that region will. Managed to stay safe and will emerge from this uh, fine. Yeah, me too. So there you go.
1: There were words from my dad about this. And uh, that's all there is to say in this episode. It just seems so obvious to say war is bad. No war, please. No war in Lepland. No war in, in the real world either, please. Obviously, war is hell. My thoughts go out to my listeners who are being affected by this directly. Okay. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. I'll speak to you again soon. It feels strange. It feels like, feels odd. I've got other episodes in the pipeline I want to publish, uh, but it feels weird to to kind of, to to do my normal podcasting thing in the light of what's going on. You know, it just feels strange. Like just the beginning of episodes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to everyone out there in podcast land. I hope you're all doing fine today. How are you doing? You're doing all right? that's true at any time. There's always stuff going on, uh, serious things going on that mean that people aren't doing all right. But anyway, it feels like a weird time to be doing my normal podcasting. Um, But anyway, I wish you well. Okay, everyone, that's it for this one. Speak to you soon. But for now, goodbye. Bye. Bye, 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 bye.